It is time for midday here on a Thursday and uh, joined once again by our cast of characters as we get ready to start uh, the midday on the round table here. Jason Jorgensen with us along with Susan Littlefield and Bob Brogan and uh, many others being part of this as we turn it over to Susan at this time. Susan, what do you got going on in your part of the world today? Well, there's a lot of things happening, and we are going to check in first off at 1219 with Shaley as she talks to Doug Klein with the Nebraska FSA. We've got some deadlines that are quickly approaching, so she'll have more details on that. Then over the midday at 1245, we are going to talk with Bill Angel, probably one of my favorite folks at the Nebraska State Fair, as we talk about livestock numbers. Hard to believe we are a week away from really kicking off the State Fair in full earnest with lots of shows, and numbers are up in a variety of different species, so we'll talk more about that. Then at 117, Clay talks about the NRCS soil health specialist, Candy Thomas, and the UNL Extension, uh, Paul Yaza, as they did a presentation at No-Till on the Plains earlier this week. So lots of things happen, and it continues to be another busy day. Absolutely. Geez, it is hard to believe that we are that close to the Nebraska State Fair. That's really a sign of the summer kind of coming to a close. Exactly, and I've got a bunch of sheep that are sitting in a pen that need to be fitted. So if you're bored later, Scott, you can come over and help me. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be right over, Susan. Thanks. Thanks a lot. S- sounds good. Are, are you qualified yep. to do that, Scott? I am absolutely not. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> there, there, there's very few things I'm less qualified to do, probably, than that. But, uh, well, anyway, Jason, we are, we're getting close. We're down to two freshman quarterbacks maybe now, huh? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that all shakes out for the Huskers. They have another big scrimmage coming up tomorrow. We'll get the thoughts of offensive coordinator Troy Walters about that. Also, it's expected to be another big year for the UNK volleyball team, although Coach Squires has to fill in. He has to find some girls and ladies to step up. But they are the preseason pick to win the MIAA conference again. Of course, the Lopers have been very, very oh. successful in volleyball for a long time, and that trend continued even when they joined the MIAA a while back. So we will give you the low down on all of that also talk a little bit of baseball cub fans starting to freak out a little bit uh, they need john lester to give them a good start today as uh, they visit pittsburgh he like much of the team hasn't been that great since the all-star break i'm not sure the cubs fans are happy unless they are a little upset about something always worrying yes about something they Listen. worried 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 last summer and then they made the playoffs yes they didn't win at all but I think they'll be okay. You know what? I think both you and I would trade positions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our teams. If you have put our to two favorite about. teams together this summer and added up their wins, yep. I still don't think they would have as many as the Cubs. It's absolutely <laughs> true. So I, I feel no uh, sympathy for the Cubs fans at all in this thing. So very good. Bob Brogan is here. And uh, are things any better today on the uh, stock market as they were before? Well, Walmart is leading the gains for. U.S. stock indexes. Everything is Walmart today. Walmart, okay. Walmart, Walmart. <laughs> Sam Walton. Three, three times is probably enough. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, uh, stock indexes up today. Also, housing starts up slightly, but they're saying that some of the higher costs may be uh, slowing things down just a little bit for builders. And also, uh, the Turks are apparently taking it seriously. Their president's call to boycott American electronic goods has them posting videos of them smashing iPhones with bats, hammers, and other blunt instruments. Hope they don't get hurt doing that. Boy, I hope not. I hope, well, 
Thank you, guys. That's all coming up here on Midday. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network in a big day in the grain markets today as we see a large rally in soybean meal, soybeans, and wheat as well. As the U.S. and China are possibly going to resume trade talks. So let's visit with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Does this make you cautiously optimistic? Well, it does, Dewey. I mean, I think this is one of those market movers that's based upon the currency more than it's based upon what's happening in terms of the Chinese needing soybeans. I mean, that, that's the cautious side of me. But the idea that the Chinese currency got to a near record low, the fact that they had to put in about four times more investment into infrastructure in July, and the fact that they uh, emerging markets lost about $1.3, $1.4 billion in the month of July in terms of outflows, I think the Chinese finally gave in to the idea they need to go back to the negotiating table before their currency weakens too much and they can't keep feeding this currency market to try and stabilize their currency. <clears throat> That's the optimism side of it is that maybe we've got a situation here where they found their stress point and they're going to work more in line with us. I think those talks are necessary unless we'd have a complete rupture of these relations, don't you? I do. I think this is one of those things where it trade historically when you have a protectionist mindset, especially in a globalized world like we have in an interdependent world, not just commodity related, but also supply chain and financially related, the longer it goes on, the more it can break down and get harder to fix. I think another good sign, too, was uh, the export sale of wheat to Iraq. I think this is the key. I think you hit it on the nose for how we close today. I'm not looking as much about the beans and the soy complex. While I do think the meal is the leader, that pork and bean risk on trade, with them hogs and beans being the leaders to the upside for percentage terms, I think if we want new highs out of this market, I would look to the wheat because we did see marketing year highs in the export sales for the week, and we sold hard red wheat to Iraq. That's a really nice thing to have come together along with these Chinese-U.S. talks. Our guest today is Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. And again, this might be a day when corn is another follower. I think that's right. I do think that you also have a situation, Dewey, where corn's going to be pulled by the spread. But if we would see new highs in the wheat, given the fact that we have a weaker dollar and some of this export news, I think maybe the corn would jump a little bit more in terms of following the wheat a little bit more, following the beans a little bit more. It seems to me it is kind of playing it safe because the wheat hasn't really jumped out of the gate. You did touch on this before with lean hogs uh, limit up, and that's based on possible China-U.S. trade talks. What about the cattle? I think, the, and to finish up on the hogs, I think the, the African swine fever being more found in China also supporting cattle probably finding the short side of the spread, but it's not negative in the medium term. We've talked a lot, Dewey, about the idea that if we can continue to get these hogs to go higher, that opens up the door because I think packers will need to pay up if the hogs start to jump here. Well, and margins have been good for packers for both hogs and cattle, haven't they? Correct, they have, and we've had them good for the most the better part of this week and last week, and, and you're coming into that last major holiday of the summer, so I would expect better prices if these hogs move on higher. Remember, you can get a free two-week trial subscription to Mike's newsletter by mentioning the Rural Radio Network when you go to his website, globalanalytics.biz. That's globalanalytics.biz. You can call Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. His direct line is 866-471-2588. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. 
Time for us to take a look at some of our regional and ag weather going on around our area. And I'm joined, as always, by Paul Perkins. And Paul, uh, as uh, Calvin Coolidge, I believe, said, maybe of a, a return to normalcy <laughs> a little bit here for, for a couple a few days. days. Yeah. For a few days, yes. That a could be bit. the case as we'll we see. head towards tomorrow <laughs> and Saturday. But then more thunderstorms are in the forecast. Uh-huh. A lot of people missing out on uh, some of the rains last night. We did have some heavy rains mm-hmm. into north-central Nebraska. A lot of locations, two to two and a half inches. Otherwise, the thunderstorms fairly spotty. Uh, once again, unfortunately, some crop damage due to the hail in some areas near Brady. And I know west of St. Paul, which is north of Grand Island, also seen some hail damage last night. They were reporting, I think, inch a little bigger than an inch hail in North Platte, I believe, if yeah. I'm right. So, yeah. which is probably what did that job in Brady. Yeah, exactly. Right now, we are uh, seeing a dry weather pattern across Nebraska, northern Kansas. Maybe a stray shower just to the southwest of Crete in eastern Nebraska. Most of our temperatures right now mid to upper 70s, but we do have some temperatures holding on in the upper 60s over southwest Nebraska, from Ogallala down to Imperial McCook, and also St. Francis in northwest Kansas for some. Uh, Low-level stratus clouds are keeping those temperatures on the cool side. Thunderstorms do remain possible today, but mainly in the central and east as low pressure departs off to the east. If they do fire, a few storms maybe could be strong to severe, but not looking at too much in the way of a severe weather threat. Skies gradually clearing through the day from west to east. Our skies will clear even more tonight as high pressure pushes in from the north. Some light northeast winds and that wet ground will lead to some patchy fog. Temperatures warming back to more seasonal levels and staying mostly dry for tomorrow and most of the day Saturday with the ridge of high pressure overhead. Thunderstorms likely to return for Saturday night into Sunday with another area of low pressure. This looks like a pretty decent system. It's going to have a decent amount of Gulf moisture to work with, and we could see some heavy rain amounts of an inch or more in many locations. That severe threat not too high with this system. Yesterday we were thinking maybe some severe weather, but right now that severe threat not as high as we head towards Saturday. It will be cooler than normal for early next week and mainly dry. A quick-moving disturbance out of the northwest. Could bring us some thunderstorms as we head towards Tuesday and Tuesday night, but the big system looks to be Saturday night into Sunday. In our long-term forecast, the temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and the nation's midsection likely to remain cooler than normal Tuesday through August 29th, and so that includes the first six days of the Nebraska State Fair. Rainfall expected to be near normal to slightly above normal in Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the 29th. The odds of El Nino emerging in the tropical Pacific the Pacific have by fall have dropped slightly to 60%, but right now it still remains a 70% chance of an El Nino by winter in Nebraska and Kansas. El Nino winters usually result in near normal to slightly warmer than normal temperatures and near normal to slightly above normal precipitation. Nothing too far out of the ordinary, maybe just a little bit milder on the winter weather if we do see an El Nino pattern emerge. In the latest drop monitor, drop free coverage in Nebraska dropped four percentage points to 90 percent it's mostly abnormally dry to a moderate drought over the south central and southeast the extreme south central and southeast from clay and knuckles counties into the southeast much of richardson county now in severe drought drought free coverage in kansas increased two percentage points to 38 percent that includes most areas along and west of the line from smith center to hayes and medicine lodge most of central and east kansas abnormally dry to severe drought the two highest stages of drought in most of the northeast weather factors driving market decisions include mostly mild weather in the midwest and staying mostly dry in european crop areas across the midwest mostly 
favorable weather will continue for the filling of corn and soybeans with adequate soil moisture and no persistent heat. The exceptions in the northeast and southwest portions of the Midwest, they are still very dry and yield losses are expected. European crop areas will have varying temperatures over the next seven days with some periods of heat. There will be a few rains, but with mostly light amounts and below normal for the season. Dryness and heat has affected both the wheat and corn crops across the European crop areas. Okay, but now, okay, so do we prefer an El Nino or a La Nina? Generally, well, last year we had La Nina, so and we saw how much snow kept coming. We kept okay. getting those periods of snow. Usually an El Nino winter tends to be a little milder. Uh, can't rule out a fair amount of precipitation, but usually with those warmer temperatures, it's a little more liquid than snowy with an El Nino winter because usually most of the an El Nino winter usually keeps a lot of cold air bottled up to the north and the storm track well to our south, but we could get brushed with some storm systems passing to our south. Okay. So l- probably maybe a little more precipitation, but also the temperatures will be a little bit okay. warmer with an El Nino winter. It doesn't affect our winter usually a whole lot because, you know, we had one a few years ago and right. it wasn't too bad. Okay, so. very good. I was just curious about that. I do need to correct myself. Return to normalcy was Warren G. Harding, <laughs> not Calvin Coolidge. I was one <laughs> president up. <All> right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For weather anytime, where do you go, Paul? KRVN.com. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the World Radio Network. Well, market's still optimistic about the news that China and the U.S. are willing to talk about trade issues. Winter wheat market's also happy to see some fresh export business announced this morning by USDA. September corn at 366 and three quarters, up five and a quarter. December 381, up five. September soybeans, 883 and a half. That's up 26. November 895 and a quarter up 26 and a quarter. January 907 and a quarter up 26 and a quarter. Chicago September wheat 543 and a half up 11 and a quarter. December 563 and three quarters up 12. Kansas City September 548 and three quarters up 13 and a half. December 576 up 13 and a quarter. Minneapolis September 594 and a quarter up 10 and three quarters. Well, we're narrowly mixed in these live cattle and feeder contracts, but lean hogs have soared on the China news. August live cattle, 108.42, up 10. October, 109.05, up 5. December, 112.87, up 7. February, 116.47, up 2. August feeder cattle, 149.60, up 55. September, 149.55, up 40. October, 149.37, up 10. November 149.50, down 12. October lean hogs at 55.47, December 52.45, they are both up the $3 limit. February 59.30, that's up 2.95 on Wall Street. The Dow Industrial Average up 396 points at 25,559. NASDAQ Composite up 61 at 7,835. And the S&P 500 is up 25 at 2,847. Hey, University of Nebraska supporters, listen up. Alumni and parents have formed the One Nebraska Coalition. We are students, business owners, farmers, ranchers, and retirees who believe Nebraska needs a vibrant and affordable public university system. Whether you're a Husker, Maverick, Loper, NCTA Aggie, or have been impacted by UNMC, join us in standing for the University of Nebraska. Join One Nebraska's growing coalition for free at one as in O-N-E hyphen Nebraska.org. 
In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Our program, The Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you a chance to ask the experts your marketing questions. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Fontenelle Final Bell podcast each trading day as we dig deeper into the factors shaping the day's market activity. Tweet your questions to RRN Markets and catch The Fontenelle Final Bell podcast updated each weekday afternoon at ruralradio.com. You can also search Rural Radio on iTunes and tune in. 2018 America's Pig Farmer of the Year finalists are announced, and we've got another one from Nebraska this year. I'm Shaley Peters with you now on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a midday look at your ag news for a Wednesday. The National Pork Board recently announced the four finalists who are vying to be named the 2018 America's Pig Farmer of the Year. The program honors a U.S. pig farmer each year who excels at raising pigs following the We Care Ethical Principles and who is committed to sharing their farming story with the American public. The 2018 finalists are Patrick Bain of Aerosmith, Illinois, Bill Lucky of Columbus, Nebraska, Brad Lindell of Kieran, Iowa, and Kevin Rasmussen of Goldfield, Iowa. The four finalists will meet with an expert panel of third-party judges in Chicago, and the judges will review videos produced at the finalists' farms and will interview each of them. Through August 29th, the public can vote once a day per person per email address for their favorite finalists at www.americaspigfarmer.com, and the winner will be announced the week of October 1st based on the judges' scores and the online voting. And if you'd like to get on and vote, you can find that address and more information about this year's finalists at ruralradio.com. A vessel carrying U.S. soybeans was unloading its cargo worth at least $23 million at the Chinese port of De Leon on Monday, becoming one of the first shipments to incur heavy new import duties as the new trade row deepens between Beijing and Washington. The docking of the vessel after five weeks anchored off China's coast ended long-running speculation over the fate of the cargo, which had captured public attention. China's state grains stockpiler, Sun and Grain, confirmed in a fax to Reuters it will pay the additional 25% import tariff on its 70,000 ton cargo of the oil seed. That equates to about $6 million. Comments on the country's Twitter-like Weibo showed early public support for the cargo had started to wane amid concerns that the public is footing the bill for the prolonged trade war. Two posts about the ship's arrival in dock and the extra costs generated more than 800 comments that were mostly negative. Are we imposing sanctions on ourselves? Common people will have to pay for that, one user said. Peak Pegasus started unloading its cargo on Saturday. A port official said on Monday, more than a month after it arrived off China's coast just hours after Beijing imposed 25% import duties on $34 billion worth of U.S. goods, including soybeans. And a growing number of Texas ranchers and farmers are trimming their livestock or selling them all together as the persistent drought has eliminated water supplies and forage for the animals. The U.S. Drought Monitor shows the 45% of Texas is contending with drought conditions that are severe or worse. Ranchers describe land bare grass bales of hay either too expensive or hard to come by and stock tanks that have long gone dry. 
Josh Blanick with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in Tom Green County says ranchers and farmers in his region are reducing their herds by at least 25%. Oklahoma officials, meanwhile, say they haven't seen the kind of liquidation of cattle that's happening in Texas. Spring rains saved some wheat harvest and boosted grassland there as well. And that's a look to your midday ag news here on a Thursday, of course, for more ag news, audio and video, as well as updated market information anytime. You can always visit ruralradio.com or like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You're listening to Ag News on the Rural Radio Network. Several deadlines approaching that the Nebraska Farm Service Agency wants producers to know about. I'm Shaylee Peters. Joining you now on the Rural Radio Network, our guest today with Nebraska FSA. He's Program Chief Doug Klein. And Doug, we'll start right off the bat with the one very rapidly approaching. Tomorrow is the deadline for producers to enroll in the Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP. And there have been some updates this year, so I'll let you get into what some of these updates are and what producers need to be looking for as far as CRP enrollment is concerned. Okay. As you said, tomorrow is the deadline for continuous practices that would be eligible to sign up and make offers for CRP. Examples of those would be farmable wetlands, waterways, filter strips, or those that, that we consider as the continuous practices, and the deadline to offer those is tomorrow, August 17th. Grasslands, we there were some changes in the CRP grassland program, and uh, some of the big changes were how they're doing the ranking. They've made some adjustments on some of the offer points as you put your offer together and it's scored by different options that you have. And at the moment, we don't have a ranking date set for that yet, but we are taking offers. And there were a couple of adjustments to how those sign-up offers are scored. Also, we're taking uh, offers for the Migratory Bird Safe CRP program, and that also is a, a offer program that is ranked, and we don't have a ranking date yet set for those, but similar to the grasslands, there's different scoring factors that come into play for both of those types of sign-up. And then, of course, we still have ongoing uh, Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, or CREP, and we're take ongoing taking offers and approving those as we go. We do still have enough acres available under that CREP sign-up that we don't have to have a, a ranking period or we don't have to wait for a, a specific sign-up. We can do those as we go throughout the year. And I'm going to shift gears just a little bit here on you, Doug. Other deadlines, important new deadlines are approaching as well for disaster assistance coverage. Yes. Um, we've changed the sales application closing date for the uh, non-insured crop disaster assistance program, or we refer to that as the NAP program. And those crops that are affected with the change in uh, sales application closing date Previously, it had a spring sales application deadline. Now those have been moved to this fall. Alfalfa and mixed forages have an October 1, 2018 sales application deadline. Grass has November 15th of 2018. And aronia berries and grapes have a November 20th of 2018. 
and all of these would be for coverage for the 2019 crop year. And of course, Doug, it is important to be visiting on the local level. There are some resources available for producers online as well. Where can we send them if they are wanting more information? I would highly recommend that you contact your local FSA office and you can find that uh, on off of the web by going to https colon backslash backslash www.farmers.gov and from there you can contact and, and get more detailed information concerning specific ground that you're looking at possibly offering. Doug Klein, our guest today, Program Chief with the Nebraska Farm Service Agency for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters. Time for us to take a look at sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the eighth-ranked UNK volleyball team has been picked first in this year's MIAA preseason coaches poll. Now, head coaches vote on the make of this poll and cannot vote for their own squad. Since joining the league in the fall of 2012, UNK has won or shared the regular season title four different times. They'll begin their season next week in California. Husker football team has a big scrimmage planned for tomorrow, and offensive coordinator Troy Walters is looking for some players to step up. You know, this time in fall camp, the great players sustain. You know, those average players, you see a little dip in their production. Poor players, you see big dips. And so across the board, we've got to maintain. You know, everyone's sore, you're tired, fatigued. We've got basically everything in. And so now it's up to us to maintain. The Huskers continue to work out as they get set for their season opener on September 1st against Akron. Struggling lefty John Lester and the first-place Cubs visit Pittsburgh in the opener of a four-game series between a couple of NL Central rivals. Lester's just 0-3 with a 10.32 ERA and five starts since the All-Star break. And Braves rookie star Ronald Acuna Jr. is day-to-day after being plunked on the left arm by Miami's Jose Arena. The team announced today that a CT scan of his elbow was normal. Arena was ejected from last night's game after hitting Acuna on the first pitch in what the Braves said was an intentional act. Marlins pitcher denied any wrongdoing and said he was merely trying to throw inside. Acuna left the game at the top of the second. The 20-year-old went into the game having homered in five straight games, including four homers in the first three games of that series against Miami. York All-Stater Brady Danielson announced today on Twitter that he will accept a scholarship offer and play basketball at Northern State starting next year. Of course, last year he helped the Dukes to the Class B state title. And Creighton and UNK announced yesterday that their women's basketball programs will meet in an exhibition game that's set for October 23rd in Omaha. And the parents of offensive lineman Jordan McNair say suspended University of Maryland coach that D.J. Durkin should be fired. McNair collapsed during a preseason conditioning drill earlier this spring and died two weeks later. Durkin was placed on administrative leave over the weekend after ESPN reported that coaches had been bullying the players. The parents say their son had been healthy for 19 years and had never missed a practice. They formed a charity to raise awareness about heat stroke. And how about this? Brent Snedeker made news today shooting a 59 in the first round of the PGA's Wyndham Championship. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. For today, partly cloudy. A stray shower or thunderstorm is possible. High 83. Winds northeast at 5 to 10. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Evan Jones. Living Out Loud is a Christian concert experience coming to Gothenburg this weekend, August 18th and 19th. 
Kobe Rickardson, talks about the number of people that come to enjoy this festivity. Over the last couple of years, we've hovered right around uh, plus or minus just a little bit, 20,000 the last three years, because Newsboys was the first year that we we uh, hit that number. So, yeah, it's a, it, you look, uh, I stand on the stage for my part of it. I kind of um, am up there all night, and uh, when you look out at the crowd, it's uh, there's a ton of people out there, that is for sure. Matthew West and I Am They will be a couple of the performances at Living Out Loud this weekend. A proposal for a giant chicken farm has been advanced by the Lincoln-Lancaster County Planning Commission. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that the commission voted 6-3 to three on Wednesday to approve a special permit for the 190,000 chicken farm. Two previous commission meetings didn't produce the required five votes for or against the proposed operation, which has been opposed by several area residents. Americans shopped at a healthy pace in July, buying more cars, clothes, and appliances, evidence that confident consumers are helping drive a robust economic growth. More from Warren Levinson. The Commerce Department reports retail sales rose a half percent in July, evidence that Americans feel good enough about their economic position to go out and spend. Restaurant spending was up nearly 10 percent from July 2017. Macy's has raised its annual profit forecast after reporting a third straight quarter of higher sales. Department stores overall, plagued by two years of bankruptcies and store closings, reported a sales increase of more than a percent. The government originally reported retail sales also went up a half percent in June. It's now revised that gain downward to two-tenths of a percent. Warren Levinson, New York. A Missouri woman who is charged with killing her five-year-old daughter and critically injuring her one-year-old son by intentionally driving into the Kansas River told authorities she wanted to die and didn't want anyone else to have her children. The Lawrence Journal World reports that the affidavit released on Wednesday says Sharon Renee Dingledine of Columbia, Missouri, told police she had been voluntarily admitted to a psychiatric hospital one day earlier. Storm Center coverage 24-7. Catch it on air, on Twitter, Facebook, and online at krvn.com. From the News Center, I'm Evan Jones. You're going to see more animals at this year's Nebraska State Fair. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Bill Angel is director of livestock for the Nebraska State Fair. We caught up about increased numbers seen and what you can expect in attendance at this year's fair, which kicks off a week from tomorrow. Overall, everything looks pretty good. Um, we're, again, like normal, we're down in some species and up in, in several, and uh, but overall, uh, I think uh, we've got good numbers across the board, and, and it's going to be an awesome show. As you look at the, at the numbers that have increased, what areas are we seeing a, a, a jump in numbers? Surprisingly, we're seeing an increase in swine um, and some of the beef cattle um, look really good. Dairy goat uh, are way up. Um, we've had a little drop in boar goats, but not bad. Um, and then a couple of breeds of cattle are down, but uh, some others are up. So, and then in our equine uh, out on the east end, um, you know, we're we're about on par for where we've been in the past. Um, our draft horses are pretty close to to where they are. We're we're down a hitch or two, but we've picked up some extra farm teams and things. So, uh, overall, uh, we're going to have uh, a really good show. And uh, what I love about the livestock aspect is it 
literally goes the entire run of the Nebraska State Fair. There seems to always be something happening for, for those folks who want to come watch and those folks that want to exhibit. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's always uh, some show going on. Um, you know, when our when we don't have uh, some cattle here, like the, the stock dogs are here, um, sheep are here, uh, goats are here, and horses are here. So, you know, we've uh, and obviously we have to have some change over time uh, to get uh, pens cleaned out and ready for the next group coming in. But because um, we actually do three changeovers in in the cattle barn, first weekend we have dairy and draft horses. Uh, middle of the week we have beef cattle, and then the the last weekend obviously we have the forage and FFA. So. Uh, and those numbers look good across the board, too. So I think all in all, 2018 is going to be a really good uh, show for the livestock area and, and uh, good for the public to see. And what I love, too, Bill, is it isn't just a showcase of Nebraska agriculture. As you and I have talked before, this state fair brings folks in from other states because of the quality of the facilities and the quality of the competition. Well, that, that's true. And, and because we host so many junior nationals during the summer, uh, that exposes us to um, breeders from, from across the country. And, and so you are exactly right. They see the facilities that we have, and and uh, they want to come back to, to not only participate, uh, you know, in our in our state fair, but, but our other activities that we have throughout the year. For you, it is a busy time. It's a busy time for your staff as well. But what do you like about being an integral part of the Nebraska State Fair? Um Oh, I just I just enjoy uh, working with all the exhibitors and and uh, being able to uh, showcase these uh, wonderful facilities that uh, that we have here. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it, it's you know we have some of the best exhibitors in the country that come here and and uh, it's across the board uh, from sheep and goats and rabbits and everything and and so it's uh, it's just fun working with with this group of people and it's nice to know bill that in a time where we've seen such a downturn in, in the economy for agriculture you're still seeing the numbers coming in and the showcasing of these livestock well that's right and and, and it is a little bit surprising because some some of the other shows are down um but you know we, we even though um the commodities are down, uh, uh, prices are down. And Nebraska is still an agricultural state, and, and they support their state fair, and, and uh, uh, we, get, we get a lot of support uh, from across the country, across the state, uh, you know, for all the species and, and for the state fair in general. Anything else you want to add about the state fair and the events that are starting next week? couple of news, well, one new thing for sure we have this year is uh, down on the east end, we're going to have um, a barrel racing and uh, for the first time in a while. So it uh, looks like we've got a lot of enthusiasm for that, and that, of course, is, is a high-voltage uh, sport that, uh, or event, and, and I think the public will love to see that, uh, as well as our cowboy-mounted shooters, and then, of course, the draft horses and the stock dogs that... Uh, uh, we have every year. So I think we've got uh, lots of activities, uh, lots of events uh, that, the, that the people are really going to enjoy coming out to see.
Those comments coming from Bill Angel, who is the director of livestock for the Nebraska State Fair. Again, it's going to be a full slate, increased numbers in some areas that have really seen a jump. So check it out. You can fill your State Fair schedule by going to statefair.org. Check out all the livestock shows and come out and support those in the open class and 4-H and FFA. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Stocks are on the uptick today with the Midday Business Report for Thursday. I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks are sharply higher in midday trading on Wall Street following strong results from Walmart and signs of progress in diffusing the trade dispute between China and the U.S. Walmart jumped 10% today after reporting stronger sales growth, including online. It also raised its forecasts for the year. Investors were encouraged to see that China was sending a trade envoy to Washington which would be the first talks between the two countries since June. Walmart has posted some of its strongest sales growth in a decade, and its online revenue grew 40%, a faster pace than it reported in the first quarter. Walmart also raised its forecast for the year. Walmart's stock jumped 10%, wiping out most of its losses from earlier this year. A report on home construction suggests that higher costs may be weighing on builders. The Commerce Department says housing starts ticked up just nine-tenths of a percent in July to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.17 million. That's not nearly enough to reverse the steep 12.9% plunge seen in June as rising lumber, land, and labor expenses appeared to constrain new construction. Still, housing starts have risen 6.2% year-to-date. The top White House economic advisor confirms that China will send a trade envoy to Washington this month for talks to defuse an escalating dispute that threatens global economic growth. Larry Kudlow, director of the National Economic Council, told reporters at the White House that the U.S. delegation will be led by David Malpass, U.S. Treasury Undersecretary for International Affairs. Earlier, China said it would send a team led by a deputy commerce minister. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Hi, this Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson with a market report on the Rural Radio Network. Shortly before the close, big rally in soybeans and wheat futures. Double-digit gains, and that's pulled corn higher. September corn, 365 and three quarters. December, 380 and a quarter. March, 392. All up four and a quarter. September soybeans 886, November 897 and a half, January 909 and a half, all up 28 and a half. Chicago September wheat 543 and three quarters, December 563 and a quarter, both up 11 and a half. Kansas City September 548 and a half, up 13 and a quarter, December 575 and three quarters, up 13. Minneapolis September wheat 594, up 11 and a half. December 6, 12 and a half, up 11 and three quarters. We're going to settle higher in these livestock futures led by the limit up gains in lean hogs. However, August live cattle finish unchanged at 108.32. October live cattle, 109.27, up 27. December, 113.20, up 40. February, 116.87, up 42. April, 118.07, up 47. August feeders settled 150.27, up 122 and near the high of the day. September 150.12, up 97. 
October 150, 22, up 95. November 150, 35, up 72. October lean hogs, 55, 47. December 52, 45. February 59, 35. They were all up the $3 limit. Latest from Wall Street, the Dow up 429 at 25,591. The NASDAQ Composite up 51 at 7,825. S&P 500 up 25 at 2,846. You work in acres, not hours. Your tailgate is your boardroom. You're a mechanic, accountant, boss, buyer, and broker. All before noon on a good day. You need a partner focused on your fields, your growing conditions, and your bottom line. At LG Seeds, results count. Relationships matter. And bold choices pay off. Take a stand and choose a new breed of seed company. Get down to business at lgseeds.com. On the last Rural Radio Forum, brought to you by Aurora Cooperative, Producers have such strong ties to the land that any time there is an economic threat to losing the land, we react. And it's ways to help our producers through whatever um, they might have going on. But the thing I would say is just don't let it go unsaid. Stress in agriculture. You're not alone. Hear the podcast at RuralRadio.com. Back on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get a review of the livestock futures trade from Joe Teal at uh, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, we're going to end up with a lot of green on the screen. Uh, let's start over with the the real winner today was the uh, hogs. He had some limit ups first three months in the hogs. Uh, apparently, uh, talk about China uh, certainly helps uh when you're talking about uh, possible agreement uh, with the uh, oncoming talks, and uh, we had a lot of fun buying and uh, a lot of stops hit and a lot of uh, just general buying. Uh, this, despite the fact that uh, the hogs, the cash was still just a little on the soft side, and the uh, cutouts at noon were uh, uh, off just a little bit again. But uh, the prospect that uh, we could uh, solve some problems with the Chinese certainly, and get our export business back on track certainly uh, uh, was a uh, top story there. Over in the cattle, it was kind of a, a quiet day, but a firm day. Uh, the only one that uh, really didn't participate too much was the uh, nearby August cattle contract, which ended unchanged the rest a little bit higher. And the feeders uh, had a pretty good day, too, uh, with uh, triple-digit gain uh, there and uh, a lot of uh, positive uh, feelings toward the markets uh, today. So a very, uh, very positive finish in the uh, higher livestock complex. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You can reach him at 800-328-0134. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. It was a risk-on day in the commodities today. We talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We've talked about the possible meeting between Chinese and U.S. officials on the trade disputes, but 
wheat futures gained today for another reason too. Yeah, really good exports. So we had two two news of exports this morning. One was the obviously the the weekly report showed eight hundred thousand metric tons, actually about eight hundred and a half thousand. Best week I recall. I, I don't have the data in front of me, but going back a while, like we've been moving two hundred, three hundred thousand, maybe four hundred on a good week. But eight hundred k really shows us that demand has finally showed up on the hard red wheat. We've been waiting on this, and kind of confirms, I think, what some of the my, uh, more bullish analysts have been saying about Russian crops and uh, you know, kind of a lack of supply globally. The U.S. hadn't seen any real demand yet, and now we're starting to see it. The second would be the the big purchase announced two hundred thousand metric tons to Iraq. So you're looking at you know. Oh, I mean, very, very good amounts here. And, they, they, you know, these kind of weeks could essentially raise, you know, export expectations in further reports if they would continue. I do think that the close has me a little concerned on the wheat and corn, uh, just that we got to get through these next two weeks. There's a lot of supply that needs to move on, um, and it just... Uh, it was just one of those massive, massive types of deals that uh, we got to get through with, you know, kind of what a lot of guys would call your first harvest um, with old crop moving into supply or different supply hands. And, and that'll kind of inundate the supply chain and I think cheapen the price a little bit. I think also standing out today on that export sales report was soybean meal. Yeah, soybean meal is the, is the trade right now. It's... Uh, it's a pretty interesting time to be in the soybean markets, and I think last night, I, about 8.45, I got an alarm on my platform that went off, kind of reflecting a price rally in beans, and, you know, this is what we're going to, this is the world we're going to live in right now. If you're trading soybeans to the short side, and we don't have a deal before October, you're probably going to be right in being short. If we have a deal, you better be ready to be, you know, down 60 cents from here. I think 9.60 would be my, my kind of short-term target. Uh, that's where we harvested a year ago. So uh, as soon as that happens, if they cut a deal and say hey, everything is back to normal, we'll see uh, you know, 200, 300 million bushels come back to the U.S. balance sheet on demand, which will bring us back down to, say, 500 million, 450 million. That still is higher than where it is a year ago. Uh, the timing of that deal will be really important, though, because if it happens later, you could be getting past kind of planting windows in South America, and you might have all these additional soybean acres, no corn acres planted, and uh, puts a lot of pressure on the U.S. farmer to plant corn. So it'll be an interesting time the next couple of months. Be ready for a lot of volatility. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to the website. DanielsAgMarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network.